You're listening to Advancing Our Church. I've never experienced anything like it. That there was a woman who was living in her car in the parking lot of the parish. And she'd been living in the car for about three weeks. People to tell the the story and they understand it's real. It's not just the it's not just what happened on the video. It's there's there's a you know, a real person behind this. And it's changing lives. It's yeah. changing lives. Yeah. But it changed but again this I've never had this happen before. We yeah. we ended the question. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, the podcast focused on Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm your host, Jim Friend, and welcome to Episode 7. I hope you're having a great week. Happy Memorial Day, everybody, especially to all of our servicemen and women. This week, we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of our freedom, and we are eternally grateful. God bless you all. So what are your plans this summer? I hope you have some rest and relaxation scheduled. Maybe you're planning to attend a conference or a workshop to get re-energized in your work. If you're working or volunteering in Catholic education in the Mid-Atlantic region, I encourage you to think about attending our second annual Advancement Conference on June 26th and 27th in King of Prussia. It's being hosted by the foundation that I work for, the Faith in the Future Foundation, and the Office for Catholic Education in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. The conference will feature workshops on development, enrollment, marketing, and governance. For more information, you can visit aopcatholicschools.org and then scroll down for the 2017 conference. I hope you'll join us. Okay, now on to our topic. Let's get to work. One of the three themes of our podcast is Catholic stewardship. And today's episode is going to really touch on multiple dimensions of what stewardship is. Stewardship is receiving God's gifts gratefully, cultivating them responsibly, and returning them with increase to the Lord. And so when we talk about Catholic stewardship, we're really talking about everything we have being a gift from God, and that we're all stewards, which means that we're not owners of the gifts that we've been given. Think about that. You own nothing. Everything in this life that we've been given is temporary. All of it, whether it's your time, your many talents, or your financial resources, They are all something that God has loaned to you just for a short time in this life. Isn't that one of the great challenges in our life, right? How we use those gifts in service to others and how we encourage others to do the same. Today, we're going to have a conversation around stewardship with my friend Jim Lanahan, who is the Director of Development for the Diocese of Camden. During my interview with Jim a couple of weeks ago, we talked about staff development tools using a program called Strength Finders, and working with pastors in stewardship, fundraising, and diocesan appeals. Jim has some great stories to share, and here's a little bit more about Jim in his own words. Uh, I've been in the world of fundraising my entire life. Um, uh, Started out at the Medical College of Pennsylvania, uh, which was the old women's medical college. Uh, it was a freestanding independent medical school and hospital, uh, a truly unique uh, medical school uh, that doesn't exist anymore. It ultimately merged into Hahnemann and then uh, uh, Drexel through the Allegheny Health System debacle, if you will, in, mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia region. Uh, but uh, started out at the Medical College of Pennsylvania, and that probably cemented what I do for a living, if you will. Uh, started out as a staff writer, uh, 
that uh, institution became part of the Allegheny system. I didn't I didn't quite like the model that I saw. Uh, had the opportunity to go to St. Charles Seminary as their uh, director of external affairs. So I left there to go to two hospitals in New Jersey, uh, Rancocas and Zerbrook Hospitals up in the Willingboro Riverside area of New Jersey, north of, of Camden. Um, the, those two hospitals ultimately became part of the graduate health system. Um, and uh, that was a wonderful experience in terms of the folks that I was working with and, and what have you. Uh, interestingly, however, about six years into my stay, at, I'm sorry, actually it was probably the ninth year of my staying at Rancocas and Zerberg, uh they became part of the Allegheny Health System because Allegheny was taking over many of the hospitals and systems in Philadelphia. Um, I stayed with them and learned an incredible amount in terms of uh, fundraising, some very, very uh, uh, competent uh, people in their in their development function, uh, despite some of the things that were happening at the corporate level, um, and then um, uh, ultimately uh, the Allegheny system went bankrupt, um, and uh, I had the opportunity to go to work with Catholic charities in the diocese of Trenton, and then ultimately from there. Um, uh, recruited to be here in the uh, Diocese of Camden. I've been here now for 17 years, so. <laughs> yeah, you were the development folks don't stay at a place for 17 years, but here right. I am. Hopefully it's, yeah, it's those a good things thing. are going good. Yeah. yeah. So you started as the assistant director. Started as the assistant director under right. Monsignor Marucci, who mm-hmm. was the uh, director of development at the time, who's now a pastor in, in, in a wonderful parish here in the, yeah. in the diocese. And, uh, uh, that actually takes me back to the day when we first met with one another, uh, back, I guess, in, I'm going to guess, 2002? Two, yeah, 2002. Uh, yeah. yeah, you were here for our stewardship initiative mm-hmm. and uh, uh, did a lot of that writing and won some awards for the yeah. the content of that uh, uh, program nationally. And, it's a uh, great experience. Yeah, lots of other people took it elsewhere. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I remember our days of working together, trying to make sure we all survived to the next day, getting uh, uh, the things done that needed to be uh, done. It was a, yeah. a, a fast-moving time, as I recall. It a, was a challenging uh, yeah. uh, time. It was challenging, you know. There was a, it was a mandatory stewardship initiative, so you know it was. Uh, Hello, I'm here from the diocese, and I'm here to help you. Right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, um, so, but it was it was it was a good experience. It was a posit- uh, for me. It was a positive a learning experience and I think you know largely the pastors you know were very accommodating and very welcoming and uh, hopefully we did some good while we were here yeah 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 yeah, you know. yeah. so it was a, a, a fun time it in, was in lives, yeah yeah, yeah. Some good good time so we were all younger and in my case less gray <laughs> <laughs> I had a few more hairs <laughs> and uh, I was at we were having babies at the time so yeah my life has changed quite yeah, a bit yeah, since then yeah. was, mine were a little older at that point in time that's but right. still uh, yeah I'm trying to think back in college and um, college college in the case of the, and, and no I, I you know not quite college uh, high yeah, school yeah high school and two grade schoolers yeah. and uh, I think it was so neat that I got yeah. to work with one of your boys and uh, that he's following your footsteps. Oh, that's right. Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, uh, he actually played a, a trick on me today. Oh, did he? Um, of course, Richard uh, worked for uh, Kevin Lynch at uh, Lynch Development for five years, kind of cutting his teeth uh-huh. uh, in this world. Um, I actually think he's kind of born to 
to do what he's doing in development. I mean, he, I he has the absolute personality and yeah. perspective on the world to doing it. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's now at King's College as a, a major gift officer. And so this afternoon, I was sitting at the, uh, I was sitting in our conference room table signing some letters, uh, a letter that's going out to pastors, and I get a phone call from a solicitor from King's College. Today is 516 day, which means they're trying, they're doing a phonathon to, to um, uh, gain 516 new donors. Mm. Uh, to our listeners, that tells you the date that we're uh, <laughs> doing this on. Right. And uh, but in any case, this young woman calls and said, says on my cell phone yet. Yeah. Uh, Hello, Mr. Linehan. This is so and so from King's College. This is five sixteen day, and we're recruiting new uh, uh, new uh, donors. And uh, would you be interested in making a gift? To, course my first question is did someone put you up to this and is he standing over your shoulder to which she said uh, yeah I think there might be a yes to that question so I, I knew she had been set up so uh, but I, I made my gift which which accomplished her goal and, good and, and then of course called Richard on my phone and said hi you just set me up didn't you You're having a good time and uh but, That's hilarious. Uh, well, I'll expect. Of course, he graduated from Kings, yeah. and so he's, he's very happy being kind of back yeah. at home. Of course, know, yeah. Well, I'll expect my colleague. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he has my cell phone number. So, <laughs> us development folks are willing yeah. to make those calls unabashedly. That's right. Yeah, and rope each other in. Yeah, absolutely. We can. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, stewardship and development in the diocese of Camden. Yeah, um, uh, Jim. It's you know, uh, I, I guess the first piece is that it's really a focus for us here in the in the office. Um, we have a, a, a director of stewardship who works with us on a part time basis, who's a deacon here in our diocese, uh, Deacon Russell Davis, and and we really depend upon him to be um, a kind of a guide to us, if you will. Uh, certainly part of our philosophy is making sure that as a development office, what we're doing is truly grounded in the concept, concept of stewardship. We try not to step away from that, be, be very conscious of it. Um, uh, at the same time, there are a variety of stewardship services that we offer to parishes. Um, uh, one of them is the Strength Finders tool, which we actually use in our, in our office. Uh, as a as a tool for organizing our team, I shouldn't say even organizing our team, but uh, uh, we really do have a a team focus and um, getting all helping all of the members of the team understand who all the other members of the team are as people, uh, and it really makes a difference in terms of our understanding of of one another's strengths. So tell me, so, but, so strength, strength finders must be a little, kind of similar to Myers-Briggs, or what would you say is some of the difference? You've done Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I've done Myers-Briggs, yeah. uh, which is, uh, to me, strikes me perhaps a, a little more um, analytical or statistical, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I find strength finders to be a much more uh, personal uh, tool. Yeah. Um, uh, it... it uh, uh, it's called Strength Finders because it literally focuses in on strengths. The model of the Gallup organization is that uh, a lot of times we focus in on people's weaknesses and we try to change their weaknesses to, to make them stronger or better or mm-hmm. um, uh, perhaps different. Um, 
the model strength finder says let's focus on individual strengths because when you look at some of the other models changing people's weaknesses is very hard right. helping them understand their strengths is is often both easier and um, has a much greater impact on the on the person themselves um, uh, we found it have found it very valuable within our our department within within in the range of you know we have eleven people who work in the department um, you know their personalities the strengths that they bring to the table um, we don't use it so much um, uh, there are folks who will use it in a in a in a manner that says if you for example if you have a project that you're doing. Uh, you might pick the folks that are part of that particular team or that particular project based on what some of the character characteristics that they bring with them. Someone who's more analytical uh, versus someone who's more empathetic, who's the woo in the group winning others over. Right. Um, uh, we do much less of it than that uh, as opposed to understanding who we all are because in, in other ways we all have our job descriptions, our own responsibilities, etc. Yeah, um, you're the one who turned me on to it when I was in uh, the Diocese of Allentown and what I liked about it is you know, you, you get the book for each of the staff members, they have the code, they go online, they fill out the survey and it's just very personable and then they come out with their own personal strengths and then you acted as the facilitator in a little retreat setting, and we were able to talk about our strengths, how they complement our coworkers' strengths. It was a very, I, I found it a, a nice team bonding, team building experience. Yeah. Um, uh, not only that, I, I uh, uh, certainly one of the folks who came with me when we did some of that yeah. uh, team building was Marianne Gobride, and yeah. and my story is always one of. Um, uh, or, or certainly a way that it, that strength finders impacted me is uh, uh, when we first took it here in the office I discovered that my number one strength is input um, uh, and input means that I'm a gatherer of information so not only information but it affects everything else in my life so while everybody has one junk drawer at home I have five junk drawers at home <laughs> uh, and I collect everything because there's going to be some future use for everything that I collect right when I need it I'm never going to be able to find it because it's scattered in one one of those five drawers yes uh, but uh, but nonetheless that's how I work and and folks in the office um, you know, will laugh because I, I carry that in my mind. Uh, someone will ask something and a fact will pop out from 10 years ago just because right. it, it resides up there. I don't know how it's filed. I don't always know how to pull a particular fact out, but, but when necessary, they do, they do pop out. Uh, but it in fact impacts other aspects of my work relationships. So for example, Marianne, who, uh, uh, worked in our offices, our, our director of our House of Charity Bishop's Annual Appeal would walk into my office and ask a question. And my answer to the question would always be, well, if you do this, this will be the result and, and this is the impact of it and, and maybe this will be an impact that you don't particularly want to have happen, mm -hmm. what have you. Right. But if you do this, this will be the result and here may be some of the side impacts of that. Uh, and so, as you might guess, that conversation would always go perhaps a little longer than we'd want it to. And, uh, you know, we took, uh, we took the strength finders test and we had the opportunity to talk about one another's strengths with, with all of our, our colleagues and in a staff meeting. 
and uh, we found it very interesting because Marianne discovered I had input, but I also discovered what some of Marianne's strengths were. Um, and uh, it really began to work when the first time Marianne walked into my office after we'd kind of learned a little bit about one another, and she was able to say, Jim, I don't want the long story. Here's my question. I need an answer quick. I just want to hear yes or no. <laughs> Tomorrow we can talk about all the impact issues. Give me all the background. And yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, but give mm-hmm. me a quick answer right. now. Mm-hmm. Um, the strength finders permitted me as a person, the boss in the office, if you will, to have a colleague say, Jim, I don't want the full story. I want the quick yes or no answer. And for me to be able to accept that because I knew that she needed uh, that level answer. So that's just one uh, concrete example of where it hit. And there's Mm -hmm. any number of other other areas. from 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 my staff, I, I remember I forget the actual category it was called, but it was basically the idea guy, the idea okay. ideation ideation yeah. right. Yeah. So I came out high on ideation, and so that was not a surprise to anybody in the office. Oh, of course that's Jim because he's always every every couple of days he's saying I got a great idea. All right, let's try this, let's try that. So instead of rolling their eyes, <laughs> which maybe they still did on occasion, but it was, uh, okay, all right, well, that's just part of Jim. So now let's help him flesh out what that idea is and uh, and then figure out, you know, as the leader of the office, how we can make that happen or does it make sense? So it was just interesting the way it helped our, our dynamics. And we actually posted on our, all of our doors for a little while what our strengths were, right? So yeah. we could just yeah. kind of all kind of physically have that in our minds thinking, okay, yeah, so Judy is this and Lucia is that and you know, that's yeah. that's how we relate to each other. Yeah. It was it was great. We we've you know, we make sure that several times during the year we retake a look at our, our strengths so everybody yeah. has a sense of that. But more recently one of the fun uses we've made of it is as new individuals come to work either uh, here in the diocese, not even necessarily in our own department. So, right. for example, our new director of communications, Mike Walsh, who you just met, yep. uh, came on board. We invited him to a take strength finders, then come into a staff meeting with us, hear what all of our strengths are, but also hear what his strengths are, and then be able to talk about that around the table. Nice. So here you have a new employee coming into the diocese who very quickly has a sense of who we are at a level that that mm-hmm. doesn't happen just over lunch, if you will, mm-hmm. and us with a sense of what his strengths and what have you. We've done that with a oh probably five or so new employees to the diocese within the past year, and mm-hmm. found it a very valuable. Um, all of a sudden, they feel a little bit of a member of our team, if you will, and, and we closer to them in terms of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in dioceses, which where often we work in our own little silos, um, mm-hmm. it's nice to have that that uh, cross relationship, cross pollination, if you will, of ideas and and effort and what have you, uh, relative to what we all do every day. Yeah. So let's talk about stewardship. Sure. So. Um, you know what? I'm always learning from you. You've been a great uh, friend and, and, and mentor in many ways over the years. And um, one of the things, you know, we both learned, I think, from the 1992 Bishop's Pastoral, right? And as I understand it, there's an anniversary coming up, but 25 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, ICS, he was saying there's a 
probably a special celebration this year for the 25th anniversary of the 1992 Bishop's Pastoral. Um, but you incorporated this Nowen, Henry Nowen spirituality. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, wow, that, that um, gosh, so interesting. Uh, uh, Nowen has a, uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, anybody who's listening, it's a, it's a very short read. Um, you can do it in, in 30 minutes. Uh, it's called The Spirituality of Fundraising. Uh, and it has really kind of set the tone for everything that we do in terms of, of fundraising and our, in, our invitation to individuals to participate in our mission. That's the, the kind of a language that a, a Nowen will use. Um, it's actually based on some of his writings, um, but also added to by Sue Musteller, I believe it is, who right. is the executrix of, yeah. of, of his estate and writings. Um, um, very useful for us here in the Diocese of Camden. What I didn't know when I first read Nowen was that most of the pastors and priests in the diocese know who Nowen is. Many, many of them have met him personally or knew him personally while he was alive. Uh, what I was surprised about was that so few of them really had um, encountered this particular text in terms of spirituality fundraising. Uh, so we use it in a in a variety of ways. Um, you know, Nowen talks about fundraising as ministry, uh, and uh, as the director of development, I get called by pastors um, very frequently to go to uh, their parish uh, finance council to talk about fundraising as ministry. If there's a if they if there's a potential capital campaign or increased offertory opportunity that the, or even a parish that has particular fundraising or financial needs and wants to talk to someone, uh, I'll often be invited in and I've probably given away a thousand copies of this little book. Um, I have a hundred sitting in the bookshelf and I'm going to keep on giving them away <laughs> so I'm absolutely sure that everybody has read it. Yeah. Um, because I think it really does make a difference. I, I um, um, as, as you know, I, I, I went through the Villanova program, mm-hmm. uh, the master's program in, in church management. Um, uh, uh, as, a, as a result of that program, I felt really empowered, if you will, um, uh, from the perspective of I'd met with finance councils before, but never ever really felt comfortable speaking to them as the lay, as a lay person in the room, albeit to other lay people, to talk to them about the spiritual side of fundraising. Always kind of felt that that maybe should come from the, from the pastor or the associate pastor who happened to be there. Um, and then discovered that, um, yeah, I would have feel very, very comfortable doing this and, and became very comfortable in, in speaking to it. Uh, reminding them as finance council members that they are there because this is a ministry for them. Fundraising is a ministry. Um, monitoring the financial condition of your parish is, is a spiritual um, exercise for now when fundraising is spiritual as giving a good homily. Um, and how do we take that 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 message and and get it to the folks who who are there on our finance councils? Um, I always tell finance council members read the book, set it aside for three four weeks, and then read it again. It'll make a difference in terms of your perception. 
Uh, I find it particularly helpful when there are parishes that are either in finance councils that are looking at doing a, finan- a, a capital campaign uh, or an increased offertory program um, to help them understand what it is that they are doing. Yes, it is okay to ask. Um, and when you're asking, what you're really doing is asking someone to participate in your mission, your ministry. It's not asking in a crisis mode. It's not asking necessarily because of need. There may be a need there, but it's asking because you believe, you believe in the mission, the vision of what it is that your parish is, is doing and the invitation to everyone to participate in that, in that mission and vision. And even more importantly, no is okay. No has to be within the box of, of, of possible responses. And when someone says to you, no, it doesn't mean no forever. Um, and it doesn't mean no that your mission isn't important. They may be actively involved in another mission, and that's okay. Right. Um, it's important for folks to, to understand that. Right, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Have you, um, so you've used it with donors, you've used it with pastors. I've used it with donors, yeah. I've used it with pastors. Mm-hmm. Now one has a, a very interesting perspective in mm-hmm. the book in terms of, and maybe folks would be surprised about this, but mm-hmm. an interesting perspective on donors because donors have needs as well. And so when we are asking someone to participate in our mission as a donor, we are fulfilling some of their own need because they know they have an ability they want to be able to participate. They want to make sure they're participating in the right thing, uh, but they have that need as well. So there's that that matching of the of the person who has a need with the person who has the ability to impact that need, um, and how beautiful it is when you're able to pull those two things uh, together. Yeah, the art and maybe the spirituality of fundraising. Absolutely, it's really Absolutely. tremendous. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention about now? Um, uh, actually, as you're you're talking about now, and when I go, whenever I'm out to visit a, a parish in the finance council, I also uh, always take along Bill Byron's uh, uh, principles of Catholic uh, social teaching. Uh, uh, Father Byron is a Jesuit who now lives at St. Joe's University. The actual article came out. Um, oh. Uh, Actually, versions of it came out in a couple of different sources back in oh, um, the mid to late nineties. Um, um, probably the one principle that I, I use the most is the principle of participation. And what I do with it is I I I, I ask the question that all fundraisers ask, and for which there's been research done. When you do a capital campaign, whether it be in a parish, an institution of higher learning, a hospital, whatever the case, and there are folks who don't participate, when you ask them, why didn't you make a gift to our appeal? I would have thought you would have, whatever. The most common answer is, nobody asked me. Exactly. Now, we thought we may have asked them. We may have sent them a letter. We may have... um, you know, loosely presented them with information and whatever, and they may have been sitting asking, waiting for uh, that individual personal ask to participate. But the answer is always, nobody asked me. And I, I often think in our own communities when we do capital campaigns, it is the fact that 
people who don't give haven't given typically because they haven't been asked. We have an obligation to make sure that we ask everyone. So I take that concept of participation and turn it upside down. Mm. Okay. Not only do we need to ask everyone, we have an obligation to make sure that everyone is asked because if we don't ask them, we're denying them the opportunity to participate in what it is that we're doing. It's really a heavy obligation when you turn it over, you know, when you turn that principle kind of upside down, if you Mm -hmm. will. Um, and I, th- I think of it uh, uh, very often in our, in our, uh, particularly in our diocese in our Hispanic communities. You know, sometimes we'll have a, a parish that has a strong Hispanic community, and we'll have a hard time asking that community to participate. Um, maybe the fear that they do not have the financial ability to participate doesn't matter what the level of the gift is got to provide the opportunity to participate in the effort mm-hmm. when people participate they become part a part of the community uh, I also say to finance councils and, and pastors if you do have to do a capital campaign in your parish when you're finished the campaign if the campaign was done right you will always have a stronger community after than you did before because when people give up their resources, they become a part of what your mission is. It's just the nature of, there's no magic there. It's just the nature of who we are as or as individuals. Mm-hmm. You're investing in the mission. You're a Absolutely. part of the community. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny what you said earlier about giving them the opportunity. I used to work for a pastor who would tell his parishioners, I'm actually doing you a favor by giving you the opportunity to share your gifts, right? It's a spirituality. It's, yep. it, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm offering you the opportunity to realize the Holy Spirit that you received during your confirmation to share your gifts with the community. I'm doing you a favor. Yeah, yeah. To, by yeah. asking you yep. to share those yep. gifts. Yep. So it sounds like now... And, and wouldn't it be great that. if we could articulate all of that yes. and, and, and package it in some way and, he said and, it much and better infuse than I it could. into yeah. the community? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That would be, I mean, we, our, our approach to what it is that we would do, we do it would be so different and and, and uh, uh, so much positive, mm-hmm. so much more positive, um, and quite frankly, so much more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the secret, at least for me. You know, when when you when I first started fundraising, and you hear this from folks who are volunteers, they say, "Oh, I hate fundraising. I don't like fundraising." But for me, I always think of it from the perspective of I'm not asking for myself. Right? This isn't for me. I don't get to keep, I get a salary, yes, because I have a job, but this isn't money I get to keep. This is for the mission, right? Absolutely. I'm asking yes. for someone else. And um, and by presenting you with that opportunity, I, I hopefully I'm doing you a favor and hope getting you a little bit closer to heaven. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. So it's... Yeah. Um, 2017, so we're hitting the 25th anniversary of Stewardship of Disciples Response. Um, it's been kind of the go-to document for all of us who have worked, tried to adopt, you know, the spirituality of stewardship and the work that we do. I certainly used it in first my, you know, my parish work, consulting work, diocesan work. Um, how have you incorporated, you know, the pastoral document and into the work that you do as a director of development for a diocese? Yeah, Jim, I think it it, it is a, um, a likewise a key to the story that we try to tell. Um, we wind up doing it in a very subtle kind of way, if you will. Russ, who is our, our 
our director of stewardship, uh, will send out to every one of our parishes. Um, as you know, ICSC provides a um, um, uh, on a monthly basis um, uh, stewardship uh, prayer uh, pieces that can be and prayers that can be incorporated into the prayer of the faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of other messages, sort of everything from stewardship messages that can be put on Sunday envelopes to bulletin inserts to prayer of the faithful. Um, uh, to other other uh, uh, prayers and 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 uh, uh, pieces that can be in, incorporated into liturgy, uh, I find it fascinating as I go from parish to parish in the diocese. If I if I pick up a copy of the Sunday bulletin, the stewardship prayer is very frequently in there across the diocese. I mean, the majority of our parishes have some component. Uh, as I visit parishes and, and during the course of Mass and the Prayer of the Faithful, those, those stewardship prayers will be inserted. So we're, the message is getting out in term, and subtly, if you will, in terms of, of incorporation into the liturgy itself and, and, and parish bulletins and, and what have you. Um, we don't see it so obviously, um, Presented within the context of parish in the sense of, uh, for example, if you were to ask me how many of our parish have stewardship committees, there was a time when they did. We don't, we see less of that today. Um, you know, but the, the, um, but at the same time, I think, um, uh, much of what we, much of what we see in Francis and the, and the Francis effect echoes so much of, of what the bishops gave us so many years ago. Mm-hmm. The sense of, you know, gratefully receiving God's gifts, cultivating them, growing them, giving them back in, in, in multifold. Um, our younger folks understand that and are perhaps much more comfortable with it. Um, not quite sure I understand the, why that particular uh, mm-hmm. difference in age. Is there a trend with younger folks understanding stewardship? Yeah, I think I think the younger folks uh, mm. uh, get it much more. The younger folks that I see, mm. uh, they're questioning. Um, I think they um, 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 they, on the one hand, want to be a part of our church. They, um, but they want to be a part of our church that's a little different than what our church is if you will they're the manner they, they certainly want to pay or participate in the mission uh, they certainly want to participate in the in the service end of our church uh, you know what our what our church does is so amazing in terms of the range of the kinds of ways that we help people who are who are both part of the church and and quite frankly in a in the context of for example catholic charities that are not part of our church uh is absolutely amazing and young folks are are looking for that uh direction um in the diocese of camden we have a catholic business network um Hmm. that's been in place for about two years now uh we get together uh once a month we have a speaker uh, it's always related to how does that how does that speaker in the context of his business incorporate his religious yeah. uh, beliefs and what have you. That's uh, great. A great great network. We'll have uh, 
50 or so business folks get together for breakfast in that presentation each month. And um, several months ago, we had a presentation of millennials. And, uh, you know, the audience is a, a, a mixed audience. Uh, the business folks who are there probably, if not probably, on average, obviously, a little older than who the millennials were doing presentations. And so the, the business folks who were there were asking the questions of what are you looking for in church and what have you. And, and one of the uh, business people asked the question, um, you know, as Catholics, we believe that if you don't go to church on Sunday, that's mortal sin. Um, how do millennials relax, relate to that that kind of question? How do you deal with that? What's your, you know, what, what's the the frame of reference you use? And the answer coming back from the young millennial was, as soon as you use the word mortal, you lost us. We're not there. <laughs> Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, that's a, uh, yeah. a, a rough way of saying it, if you will, but, mm-hmm. but they're, they're looking for a different, uh, a different way, if you will, of their participating in who we are as church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have a lot to do to, to begin to reach out to them, to bring them in. As a church, we have to. They are, as the young folks, they are the future of, of who we are as church. Yeah. I don't always um, hear the language of stewardship. It's surprising to me that after 25 years, this is my perspective, whether it's in working in Catholic schools or even in parishes, aren't necessarily either familiar with the document, you know, from the from the bishops, or comfortable in what the spirituality of stewardship is all about. Do you think? Do you find that? Uh, I find that uh, yes, I find that I find it increasingly to be the case. Uh, I even find it in the in the context of the people that we interact with when yeah. we're, for example, at the International Catholic Stewardship Council, um, uh, and I find it very very interesting. I I, I wonder to some extent, um, and 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 I look at it in terms of as I've seen the church um, uh, move, if you will, in in different directions. I don't mean different in, in bad or good sense, but as, right. as, we, as we've created other initiatives, or as the church has created another, other initiatives, you know, the concept of evangelization. Yeah. Um, my perception was, um, you know, several years ago, a, a, a new focus of the church on evangelization, and my perception is of it is at least that it, that the concept of evangelization took a little bit away from what was happening in the in the context of stewardship, mm. um, and I found that very very interesting from the perspective of stewardship is evangelization. If you are a good steward, you are evangelizing. The concepts are not in opposition to one another. Right. If anything, it's an it's a it's a and it it's Kind of in the business world would call it value added. <laughs> right. Uh, it's another concept to to add on and 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 um, uh, and maybe evangelization being the first step in stewardship, right? I mean to be uh, yeah, absolutely, you know, to, absolutely to open the doors to bring yep, people yep. in to engage them. It would be the first step in getting them to adopt a, a lifestyle if you will of stewardship yep. you know? uh and even in even in the sense we you know we had the concept of evangelization then we have the concept of the new evangelization right. if you yep. will sure and mm-hmm. and isn't or at least my sense isn't mm-hmm. the new evangelization even more so the basis of good stewardship yes. because 
part of the new evangelization talks about how do we how do we evangelize in the in the context of who we are today, not reaching out beyond ourselves, but mm-hmm. reaching within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are in the pew on Sunday, where are our children relative to that pew? Where are our neighbors relative to that pew? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do a baptism at Mass on either within the liturgy on Sunday or on Sunday afternoon, how do we invite those people who are at that baptism who maybe were not with us in the pew on Sunday morning? How do we invite them back into the church? How do we make sure that is that we take best advantage of that opportunity where they're there with us to make mm-hmm. sure that we make that invitation? How do we do that at the confirmation of our children? How do we do that at the funerals of the of mm-hmm. the family members that we lose? Mm-hmm. Um, that's good stewardship too. So faith without works is dead, and so with that, with evangelization works with stewardship, right? Because stewardship continues to engage people beyond being evangelized, beyond being brought in. Evangelization continues to renew them, renews their faith, and that is why they engage in stewardship. Absolutely, is that uh, fair? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The other real challenge is mm-hmm. how do we take what's provided to us in a in a document? Yeah, from the bishops in terms of disciples' response. How do we take what we hear from now and then and, and some of the other things, some of the other resources that form the basis of um, kind of like our consciousness as we go about doing the work we do? But how do we incorporate that into what the what the process is in terms of fundraising? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's always fascinating, you know, as a as as a diocese, uh, some of what we do in terms of the fundraising world is difficult from the from the from the perspective of um, you know setting goals for individual parishes as we go about doing our 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 work in fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as you know, you've experienced it. Uh, we all have a plan. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, in the, in the diocese of Camden, if you were to look at our plan, our plan probably has 32 parts to it. If I were to break it down step by step, letter by letter, uh, in pew solicitation, video Sunday, whatever the yeah. the case is. You talk about your plan. You're talking about your House of Charity Bishops uh, Annual uh, Plan, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a plan to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that in general. If you follow the plan, you're going to reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take out pieces of you can you can eliminate certain pieces of the plan, and it won't have an impact in terms of the dollars you raise, or at least the impact will be very small. There are other pieces of the plan that if you don't do, you're not going to reach your goal. There's an in-pew Sunday. If you don't do the in-pew solicitation, you're generally not going to reach your goal. Period. That's the, right. We know it works that way. Very often, the plan and the appeal is looked at in terms of what do I have to do to reach my goal? And we encourage pastors, and and I think the plan is written in a way that encourages something very, very different. Take the plan and use the steps of the plan to build relationships. And quite frankly, that's that's part of what 
Nowen is about. That's part of what Strength Finders is about. It's part of what the Bishop's Document on Stewardship is about. Hmm. Building those relationships. If you use the plan to build relationships, A, you're going to use the plan so you're going to reach goal. But number two, people are going to support you not because of the goal, but because of the relationships that you've built. And relationships don't go away. When the house of charity is over and you reached goal, those relationships are still there, and those relationships will help you in terms of building your parish, in terms of community, in terms of your own offertory income, uh, in terms of volunteers, in terms of all the other things that you you need to do as a pastor within your parish. How do you use that plan in that kind of manner? Think of it in a very, very different kind of way. Um, that becomes a fascinating uh, yeah. challenge for us. Sure, so, it's, so the residual effects is that you can build community with those who are helping you with the plan and those who are participating in the appeal. Thank you so much. I didn't get the word community out. That's, that's, that's what you're, that, in the end, that's what you are building, yeah. yeah. yeah you're building that, that And to that achieve community. that goal is a sense of accomplishment in the community to not only provide stewardship to my own parish, but my stewardship to the appeal is helping those in the larger community, the larger church. Yep. So, and, yep. that, and that is a part of, that is yep. a dimension of stewardship, yep. not just yep. what is happening here at home, happening in my parish, but but reaching out beyond my parish to make yeah. a difference in yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all the steps are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as you, as you know, in, you know the, the our campaign has a major gift phase, as others do, and yep. so we provide pastors with personalized letters uh, signed by bishop uh, directed at each of those particular donors, and we ask pastors, would you engage that donor in a conversation? Mm. We ask them for a couple of reasons. As a major donor, it's not appropriate to ask them by mail. You need to ask. You need to ask your parishioners, who are your, you know, the core of who you are as a parish, to participate yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. Use that as an opportunity to build that relationship. Invite them to dinner. Invite them to meet you in your office. Visit them in their home. Uh, you know, make the phone call to make sure that invitation happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you will you will build those relationships and ultimately that that community over time. Yeah, still very hard, mm-hmm. um, especially in today's uh, age where you have a uh, one priest parish for maybe fifteen hundred or two thousand families. It can be a real challenge to build that community. Still necessary. Still absolutely has to be a part of the fundraising plan. Um, you know, what's your advice to a guy like that? You know, to a, a pastor who comes to a new parish, 1,500 families, let's say he's all there by him, by himself because of the shortage of priests. Yep, to go yep. down that road. You know, where do you begin with trying to build those relationships? What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, Jim, I think it, I think it becomes uh, hard on an individual basis yeah. uh, just because of the time issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, quite frankly, there there has to be some individual relationships that are built, or, mm-hmm. you're, or you're not going to be able to run your parish. I mean, you have you yeah have too many needs in terms of volunteers and, and mm-hmm. what have you. Um, a do it in groups. There are mm-hmm. lots of different ways to bring small groups of people together, and that's fine. Do do little dinner, you know, spaghetti dinner with the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cheap. 
Sure. And, and it's easy. You have to have dinner anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you're meeting people at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are ways to do that. Uh, little receptions of groups. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid to ask people to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times I've seen situations where uh, you need help to do things and there's a fear of asking what will they think if I ask them to volunteer and the answer to the question is they're going to volunteer when you ask them because they want to be asked. And guess what? Yeah. Nobody ever asked them before. So yeah, nobody ever asked <laughs> them before. Waiting, yeah, right to yeah. what you were saying earlier. Um, yeah, and and it's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, the other element of that is that um, you know, my own observation. It's yeah. it's easier to ask someone to volunteer to sing in the choir mm-hmm. than it is to ask them for a gift for their appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, it may actually be more difficult for the volunteer to say, I want to sing in the choir because they may not be very comfortable doing that. <laughs> they may have a great voice, but, but, yeah. um, uh, have not done that before and mm-hmm. we're, we're not comfortable doing it. Yeah. yeah. I, I like what you say about the, um, pastor organizing it into small groups, right? Because there are very few of us who have that relate, have, who have the gifts to have a personal relationship with 1,500 individual families, right? But but we can always, and and, and the, many of the pastors who I've worked with over the years who have had a lot of success have been good at organizing, at least um, providing the opportunity for parishioners to have input through a pastoral council or having certain leadership groups like the finance council or a stewardship committee where they can get that input and also can carry the message and the vision of the pastor out to the rest of the community, right? So yeah. he, they can be the arms and legs for the pastor. And, and I know right? it's the case in our diocese. I hope yeah. it's the case in a lot of other dioceses. There, mm-hmm. are, there are resources at the diocesan level to help a pastor do that. Yes. Uh, yeah. and, and I'll give you an, an example. And, and this happened a year ago, and I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, it was a, a parish that wanted to do a reception around our annual appeal. Um, they had already had their in pew. They had already they were well on their way to reaching goal. Um, but there was a sense from the pastor that um, people needed to have a better understanding of what's the real impact that we're having. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, uh, pastor invited about. Um, about 60 folks to a, a little reception. It was wine and, and cheese. It was done at a caterer's where the caterer happened to be a member of the parish and, and did it at very little cost. And we did a, a couple of little things. We um, A, we, we shared the, the video that we had prepared for the campaign. But because the staff of the office, myself, or the director of our appeal, uh, Sheila McGurl, were there, we were we knew who the we knew who the people were that were in the video so right. we could tell kind of the real story the behind the scenes kind of story of what happened right uh secondly we we uh as part of the 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 evening uh Sheila girl has a very powerful story of her life and how the diocese catholic charities some of the spiritual services of the diocese, the pastoral services, have impacted her in her life's journey, her children in their journey. Um, and she spends 10 minutes telling that 
story okay and all all of a sudden the reality of who the church is in terms of the impact it can have on a person's life becomes it becomes warm palpable it's yeah. there in front of you yeah um I usually do a little bit of a story in terms of some of the new components of the campaign, some of the new services that the diocese may be offering, the most recent being Vitality here in our diocese, a, a tremendous program. Um, and then, quite frankly, we open the we open the floor to questions. We always have a couple of other directors from different departments there in the diocese. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, Folks are a little resident, resistant to asking. They don't want to. They don't want to put you on the spot in terms of asking questions. But there's no question they can ask us that we haven't heard already. Hmm. Uh, so we usually have a plant in the audience to ask the first difficult question. Oh, dear, that's good. That's helpful. You know, <laughs> and then uh, and then the questions come to us and and we we deal with them. Um, um, and and usually that ends. Uh, um, there aren't that really that many hard questions, uh, but it does give it just opens the flow of, of communication. Um, what happened at this particular meeting was uh, the video for this year. Uh, what the 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 narrator of the story was a young seminarian. Mm. And we followed that seminarian back from the high school that he went to, a little bit of his story, which was unique, mm-hmm. but followed that seminarian as he met three different families and began to understand how we as a diocese were helping those families, but also the challenges that that family or, or persons were understanding and and were 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 encountering in their life and and he was gaining an understanding of of what all of that was and uh the first story was a, a story about a, a a woman Maureen hmm. and uh, uh the back side of the story was uh, I had visited a parish um uh, I happened to be visiting my then myself we usually do a a team approach to a visit uh, and this was a parish that was doing very, very well in their House of Charity appeal. But Bishop asks us to always visit. You know, he asks every year to visit as many parishes as we can. Our job is to help a parish get to where they need to be. Uh, if there are any problems, issues, concerns, things that we can help them with, Jim, she'll get out there and, and help them. Uh, so I went out to visit. And... Um, during the course of the visit, they expressed a concern that there was a woman who was living in her car in the parking lot of the parish. And she'd been living in the car for about three weeks. And they were wondering how come Catholic Charities hadn't helped this woman. And uh, But they didn't know the answer, yes, no. They thought she had gone to Catholic Charities. Right. They didn't know what else was happening. It was even more interesting in the sense that the local police department was visiting her four, four times a night to make sure everything was okay as she continued to live in the car. And I would have thought, wasn't somebody doing something to help her get out of her <laughs> living in, the, in, in her, right. her vehicle? Sure. And uh, so I, I, I left 
the House of Charity team there with my business card and said, look, the, the, you know, we need to do something. Uh, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to touch base with Catholic Charities tomorrow, uh, get someone to interact with her. Uh, if nothing happens, here's my card. Let me know how I can help. And um, they did something that I didn't expect. They gave the card to the woman who was living in the automobile. So on a Friday afternoon, I had been out on the road all day. I arrived back in the office at about 3.30 in the afternoon. There's a message on my machine. Hello, Mr. Lanahan. This is Maureen. I'm living in the car at the parish. Um, can you help me? So uh, I immediately placed a call back to her. She did have a cell phone. And um, uh, as I called her back on the phone, here she was crying on the phone. Jim, I'm, I'm a fundraiser. That's what I've done all my life. I'm not a social worker. I right. was not prepared for a woman crying on the phone to me. Yeah. And um, so, Maureen, uh, just, just hang on. Uh, I'm going to have someone, either I will call you back or someone else will call you back this afternoon. So here we are at 3.30 in the afternoon. I called Catholic Charities, got to the executive director. Uh, by 4 o'clock that afternoon, they had an appointment arranged for her on Monday morning at Catholic Charities. Unfortunately, at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, they couldn't get her into a, a facility or what have you. Monday morning, she was at Catholic Charities. On Tuesday, she was in a motel for two weeks. After the two weeks, she was in an apartment. Uh, where she is living uh, today, where both Catholic Charities or Vitality Home Health um, component of it is interacting with her. Um, uh, absolutely fascinating and, and true story how this all happened. Um, and so when you're in the, in the context of this reception of 50, 60 folks, you're able to tell the the story and they understand it's real it's not just the it's not just what happened on the video it's there's there's a you know a real person behind this and it's changing lives it's yeah. changing lives yeah but it changed but again this i've never had this happen before we yeah. we ended the question and answer period and said if you'd like to talk to us you know here are the directors here's someone from catholic charities um Sheila and i will be here for a while just you know feel free to interact uh, Sheila and I sat down at a table, and as we sat down, two women came behind us and put their hands on our shoulders, and they were crying because things that they saw in the video touched upon their own lives, one, and, one being a woman whose husband had just passed away and was trying to come to grips with all kinds of things in, in, in her own life. Uh, several folks asked us if they could talk to the person from Catholic Charities. So we asked her to go into a corner and one by one, four different people who were at the reception went to talk to her because there were issues that they had to deal with. Don't know what those issues were, but I've never, never have experienced a reception like that where people came to us bearing their souls with all of the problems that they were you know there was a catharsis that happened as a result of that yeah that's good i don't i don't care whether we raised another dollar for the house of charity that wasn't that wasn't what, what it was about that evening yeah. there was something else that was 
was was going on. I don't know that we'll ever replicate that again or whether it'll happen again. But it's the Holy but Spirit. Now, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Oh gosh, thank you for saying the Holy Spirit. Sure. <laughs> uh, you you know this. You've 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 been there in the past. I can't tell you. I mean, one of the challenges that we face every year. This is about the time when we start thinking about next year. Sure. And what will be the theme mm-hmm. next year? And how will we make our video next year better than it was this year? How are we going to tell the story? Yeah. <clears throat> Jim, there is not a year that we don't sit down for a meeting in a room. And I tell you, within either 24 hours before that meeting or 24 hours after that meeting, something happens that says to us, this is the theme. we got to go with this next year. Um the Holy Spirit works in the room. I just does. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does take some prayer. It really absolutely does. does. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. And do prayer, you have... prayer and belief. You know that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. Jim, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on our oh, show. Oh, absolutely, today. a pleasure. And uh, we've had so much fun over the course of over the course of time. And uh, yeah. Uh, We've, we've each roped one another in to speak at one another's institutions and That's what right. have you over the course. It's always been fun. So. Yeah, for me so too. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to thank Jim for being on our show this week. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, but more importantly, our friendship over the years. Special thanks to Michael Walsh, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Camden, who provided us with a very impressive soundproof vault where we conducted our interview. Yes, that's right. I said vault. For more information about the Diocese of Camden, please visit their website at camdendiocese.org. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you for joining us for the seventh episode of Advancing Our Church. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Advanced Podcast or join our Facebook group. Once again, enter our contest to win a $25 Visa gift card by posting a rating on iTunes by June 17th. And please keep retweeting and reposting our show on social media. We do appreciate it. That's it for me. I'm Jim Friend. I hope you all have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care and God bless.